I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Fred. I mean, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. Did and we ever tell the story of your dad wanting to be called a different name? No, but we could tell we it now. We should tell it. So we were at Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. No, we were in Kenny Bunkport just hanging out. And we were talking. This is before Penelope was born and we were coming up with names and tossing name ideas around at the table. For, for grandparents. Yeah, for grandparents. And we already knew what Penelope's name was going to be, but we didn't tell anybody. But just they were talking about what they want to be called as a grandparent and all this stuff. And My and, dad was saying that he never has liked his name, which I didn't know. He's never said yeah, that. Yeah, just out of middle of nowhere. He's he like, yeah, I never like, liked it. I never liked my name. And I said, Because well, he's Kenneth Muller III. Kenneth Muller III. Yeah, very um, official. And I said, well, what would you prefer to be called? He goes, Jack. <laughs> like, he didn't even have to think about that. Clearly, this is something he had already decided. Yeah. So we've decided that... Without skipping a beat, it was amazing. It was really, it was really like, funny. Jack. Yep. He was, he, so, so he wants to be Jack. So he is Papa Jack. He's for Papa Penelope. Jack. Which I kind of... That's great. I like that. Papa Jack. Papa Jack. Cute. Papa Jack. Well, because you were with James Wedmore and his wife, Chelsea, for Easter last year. Yep. Remember? Yeah. And then, oh, just best easter egg hunt ever as an adult james's mom puts eggs out with money in it that's awesome so it was like a it was a fight for all the kids because there was like seven six of us adults like going around getting easter eggs and then we were all like battling it out for and james won he had the of course he did yeah he had the most eggs but you but that's not why i brought that up i brought that no, up I because know. of right chelsea's dad right is ed no i always mess this up what's his name no, his, his real everyone, name i don't know his real name but everyone his grandkid children call him duke yeah duke his real name's ed i think his real name's ed and then everybody calls him duke and so he came up with this for those of you that might be listening that are grandparents or grandparents to be or grandparents to be or parents in that you know whatever but basically he decided he goes one of the things my fellow grandfathers told me is that you come up with a name that's super easy for babies to say because grandpa is grandmother. Like all of that is very hard for a small human. But he was like, Duke, Duke, Duke. And then that was easy for all of the grandkids to say. And he was always the first one. So he created a competition with him and all the other grandparents to be the first one that the grandkids knew his name. So they he was called Duke. And that's what it stuck with. So I was sitting at the table and they kept saying Duke this and Duke that. And I'm like, who is this Duke guy? And he was like, oh, that's me. You know, and it's like, and then I heard the story and told it. So when our parents, Kate and I, were thinking of what they wanted to be called, I think your mom won out. It's the easiest. Lulu. Lulu's the easiest. She also sees Penelope the most. Yeah. So I think it's a toss but up Mimi between it my being mom. the easiest and her just seeing her yeah. the most often. Mimi was easy because that's what my nephew started calling my mom. Right. Mimi's and then pretty Papa. easy. And Penelope walks around saying Papa a lot. She says Papa a she lot. She says Papa and then to yesterday, like books. Yesterday, yeah. she looks at me and says Papa. And then yesterday, Penelope decided that my sister, Annie, that we were trying to get her to say Auntie Annie, and instead she said Nini. So Annie is officially Nini. Yeah. It goes good with Mimi. So, yeah. It's a little confusing, but I don't think my sister and your mom will be hanging out super, super often. So I think we'll be good. Yeah, I think we'll be fine. Michelle, you still win. Mimi came first. Yeah. 
Okay, so anyway, today we're talking about time, and we are talking about how to become the source of time and how to stop the vicious cycle of feeling like you don't have enough time. And believe it or not, you can hop off that particular train. And Mike and I have both had experiences of it. Of course, we hop back on every now and again. We're not masters of this, but we are definitely students of it. And time bending, time hacking, you know, becoming the source of time, changing your relationship to time. That's what we're talking about today. And it's a really exciting topic that I don't think gets enough airspace. So we're giving it airspace on our podcast because we get to pick whatever we want to talk about here. And this is a topic that I am going to be covering more in depth during my Sustainable Success Workshop, which starts May 9th. And you can sign up over at SustainableSuccessWorkshop.com. So honey, do you ever feel like you don't have enough time? Well, let's start off. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for checking in. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I know last time I took up all the whole time, so I wanted to check in with you, see how you're doing. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to say, but I kind of want to just dive into the episode. Okay. How about next time I right, do we'll a longer check in? Yeah, next time we'll be at a new location. Yeah, we're moving this, this moving. week. So, speaking of time, this is very relevant to I have mastered, I think I just figured out the best possible way to move. We will confirm this next week, but I believe the strategy I have set up is great. It's going really well. Do you want to share what it is? Or are you just going to leave everyone hanging? I think we should leave everybody hanging. Well, one thing I ended up doing is that we get our place on Wednesday. This is from a time perspective, so this is relevant to what we're doing. Because one of the biggest things about moving that everybody hates is like the packing, and then you have to be out of a house and then moving into a new house in the same day. And it's stressful because then you move, and it's really a lot of stress. So our moving process, I got a storage unit about two weeks ago, so I've been slowly moving some stuff over there. All the big heavy stuff the movers are coming to take care of. Because we're downsizing. We're losing about a thousand square feet because we're moving into More a temporary plus rental. The basement. Plus the basement. So we're losing probably 2,000 square yeah. feet of storage for sure. And we're moving into a temporary we're rental. Just, just like living. While we build our house. Because we use the basement for my gym and stuff yeah. like that. We get our new place on Wednesday. We're recording this on a Monday. We get our new place on Wednesday, and then our lease is technically we have to be out of here on Sunday at 10 a.m. So that means I have overlap. So on Wednesday, we can move computer equipment, office equipment, kitchen stuff. That Because the last thing I want to be doing now, granted, we're moving 10 minutes away, so I'm not moving states. But like the one thing is like the kitchen plates. What takes up the most time to pack? It's like the kitchen plates, the breakables. Wine glasses. Yeah, all that stuff. So I'm just I can... going to put wine glasses in my lap and drive them over. To yeah, the... no, we put them in a box <laughs> yeah. that doesn't have to be wrapped up. We just right. put them in a box. We drive them over. We unload them directly onto the counter. We figure out where they're going to go later. And then that's it. But yeah. we'll talk more about this later because that I want to make sure that this plan works. And then okay. I can and share the Mike success of the plan. Okay. But for those of you moving soon... I think even the four day of the slow move process, then the movers are coming on Saturday and then we're out of here on Saturday. So by Saturday afternoon, this place will be empty for the most part. And the cleaning lady's coming Saturday afternoon to clean the house. So it works out good. All right. So how do I view time? Is that what? No, the... my question was, do you ever feel like you don't have enough time? I used to. Yes. Now I feel pretty good about everything. I feel I actually haven't felt that I'm running out of time probably in the last. This is a new phenomenon. In the last three, four, last month or so. Okay. Yeah. And what was the switch for you? One of the biggest things was spending time with Penelope when we had our dad, daughter, like afternoon when I went out with Penelope. And then 
that is one. And then the second, I realized after having a kid that, well, this took a while to kind of figure out, but like the letting go of control as an adult hanging out with a child, the more I try to control the situation, the worse it gets. And that's my hypothesis of the whole thing. Meaning going with the flow. So for example, when I did the day with Penelope, we went to Chipotle. I think I talked about this already a couple weeks ago, but we went to Chipotle and then Whole Foods for an hour and a half. And I really just went by her schedule and I just went with the flow. And then this weekend we did a dad and daughter date down to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We left on Saturday. We stayed the night in a hotel and then we came back on Sunday late morning. And that was pretty cool. Like it was a lot of that as well. It was just like going with the flow of Penelope and we met with some friends. We went to the park, we went to the hotel. We walked all over Portsmouth. We did a lot of walking. I think I like wore her legs out Sunday morning. All she, she didn't want to walk. She just wanted me. It was really interesting. Cause I was like, I bet you she's sore and is like tired of walking. Cause we went on a morning walk and then all she wanted to do was me. She wanted me to carry her cause I left the stroller in the car and didn't bring it. So I just carried it around, which is good because my biceps are getting huge. Plus she's only 21 pounds. It's a lot. It is a lot, but you know, compared to like bigger children, it's not. Yes, that's great. (laughs) She's not bigger yet. So it's just letting go of what my concept, I think of what I have to do. And I've kind of let the whole story of accomplishing as much as I possibly can in one day go away. You know, it's like the whole narrative of, and you know, one of my biggest business mentors is Gary Vaynerchuk or business guidance that I follow. And he really crams a lot of stuff in a day. He flies all over, like, but even he's very efficient. Like if he has to do a speaking gig in St. Louis, he flies there in the morning and flies back that afternoon. Like there's no waste of time. He goes and takes care of business and comes back. But it's also for me is not about just cramming as much possibly. Like if I die today, I'm not going to be concerned about I didn't master my day versus time, you know, or time hacking or efficiencies or whatever that is. To me, it was like, because I've studied a lot of these people about how to hack time, how to create more time in your day, how to, you know, body hack with the bulletproof coffee guy. Like he's always about the hacking of the body. And I know Tim Ferriss does this a lot too. And I'm just like, for what? Like, what are we doing? An extra hour in the day, an extra 20 minutes in the day. It's like I could right now I value sleep more than anything else at this moment in time because that's what we've lacked recently. And so if I have to sleep an extra hour a day, that's what I value more than worrying about like cramming everything in the entire day. So it's like, what are the one or two things I would like to get done? Number one is working out. And even if that's moving a little bit, number two would be like, what are one or two business goals that I would like to get done that day? And that's what I focus on each day to just, and that's pretty satisfying. Nice. So I love that you prioritize, you were like, what are the one or two things I need to get done today? And number one is the workout. So, so often we fit in our bodies. We fit in caring for ourselves after the work. And what I love that you're saying is that comes before. It's a precursor. And I really find on Sunday nights, I sit down and I plan out my week and we talk about when we need childcare and what's going on there and which daycare Penelope's going to. And we talk about who's taking her to daycare and who's picking her up and other things. And then I also put my workouts in my calendar because I find that when I move my body, I feel more productive. Whether I actually am more productive or not, I don't care. 
because I feel really in alignment. That's really what I'm going after is like this feeling that there's more than enough time to do what I want to do. And more importantly, more than enough energy. So I believe that we have all been taught to manage the wrong resource and that time management is a bit of a myth or a waste of time. Because here's why. The way we view time as a culture and time management is as though time is a finite resource and we all only get so many hours and that just is what it is. But the truth is, if you study Einstein's theory of relativity, it doesn't work that way. Time is actually relative. And if you dive deep, and I dove a little bit deep, but I'm not a physicist, so I don't totally understand it. But I do know that what I learned is, depending on how fast an object is moving in space and how much mass it is, time will pass at a different speed than it would if that object were moving at a different speed or if that object had less mass. So actually, time really does pass at a different speed, literally, according to the speed of light, depending on how fast the object perceiving the time is moving and how much mass it has. Did that make sense, honey? I think so. Okay, great. So, you know, if you think of it like you're on a train right? And you're moving at a particular speed. It looks like the trees going by are going by. But you and I both know the trees aren't going anywhere. You're going somewhere. But the perception is that there's movement there. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about. But we've all had those moments where time kind of stands still or time sort of becomes irrelevant. You know, I remember our wedding day felt like it just went on and on and on in the most beautiful way, you know, and, and when I remember that day, there were so many different moments. So many people had told me who had gotten married before, you know, oh, it just went by so fast. And I was determined for the thing that I remembered most about my wedding for it not to be, oh, it just went by so fast. I don't even remember it because that was the number one thing I was hearing from my girlfriends. And I was like, that feels really sad to me because you spent so much money, <laughs> so much energy, so much time planning this event and you're marrying, you know, hopefully the love of your life and like you don't remember. So I put a lot of attention in making time stand still on that day. And so versus, you know, any random Tuesday, it's just kind of like, I don't remember it and there wasn't anything, you know, it's just kind of like, of course, I remember moments, but it's kind of like, whatever. I was sitting at my computer. I wrote a blog. I did some social media. I like picked up Penelope. We cooked dinner, went to bed, watched Fixer Upper, you know, and I love those days too. But in my memory, in my perception of them, in my experience of those days, they had two different, I had very different experiences of time on those days. And so what that is, the ancient Greeks had two words for it. And I love how they described it. One is... Chronos. So Chronos is like chronological time that you and I both abide by. It's what Google calendars work off of. It's all planner systems are based on Chronos and this idea that one hour just falls after the next hour and each hour is the same allotment of weight. Like they're all even. So it's this linear, even approach to time and you just only have so much of it. So we all know what that's like. And that is, by the way, the perception of time from the Chronos perspective is the source of why we feel like we don't have enough time. 
and why we feel like we're running out of it. Because it's this idea that it's linear, that every hour has the same weight, it's all the same time allotment, and that just is what it is. And by the way, it's a finite resource. We only have so much of it. So it's from a lack mentality. Kairos, on the other hand, understands that our perception and experience affects time. So Kairos says that certain moments have greater weight than other moments and are, in essence, more important in the trajectory of our lives. So an example of this is the five minutes that you spent holding your child for the first time after they were born was weightier, had a different experience of time than the five minutes you stood in line at Starbucks this morning. Very different experience of time. Same, you know, five minutes is the same, what would you call that? Like a allotment of time or I, I'm having trouble. I mean, it's with the, the same word, but amount. It, of, the same amount of time. Like yeah, it's high. still five minutes. Amount is a good word. Right. <laughs> I was looking for something more complicated. Same amount of time technically very different experience of that time. And so the reason I'm telling you about Einstein's theory of relativity and Kairos and Kronos is that I want to introduce great, you. Great example oh, of this. Sorry great. to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah. But like the 20 minutes I spent in Barnes and Nobles in the toy section this weekend versus the 20 minutes that I spent pushing Penelope on a swing were much different experiences for me. Why? Because the toy store was stressful. Like, that's the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this is relevant to what you're talking about, but that's what popped in my hell. That's what popped in my hell. What is that? What is that? <laughs> popped into your helmet? My head when you were talking about this. And we, it was basically about the same amount of time each time on the park. Like, uh-huh. when it's the 20 minute time frame, let's just go with that. Because being in the toy store, like, she was taking all. And I'm pretty relaxed with the whole thing. Like, I'm not a parent who. He's not a helicopter dad. That's no, for sure. like I really let Penelope do what she, as long as she's like safe and she's doing something that's like, she's not going to fall 20 stories. Right. But she can climb on things. I don't, I'm not concerned about that, but like she was taking all the toys off the shelves and she was putting them into a pile. And I just let her do that for a while. Like it was super cute. She took like every single, she, she's so funny. Like I really want to know what's going on in her mind, why she needs to stack all of the toys in this one little section. So she like started corralling all the toys in this one area and going and get them from different locations and bringing them back over. So I started was like, I got to pick all this stuff up. And then I was like, I don't want her to break anything. And then and then she would just take all the books. And then she got really obsessed with like this Barbie doll person. It was out of some movie that I'm not 100% sure, but it looked like a Barbie. And she kept banging on the packaging like she wanted to get in it and I was like okay we got to get out of here like this is rough and what's really crazy about the whole situation in the toy store she like brought this toy to me and I can see why parents just end up buying all sorts of stuff because she like brings the toy to me and she's like oh this is so cute and she's holding it and then inside my body I'm like oh she really likes this maybe I should get it for her but then I just waited 30 seconds and she like tossed it to the side and she didn't care she was on to something else so for me, being in there, I was just like, we got to get out of here. I was like, this is, this, I'm not taking Penelope to any toy stores ever, like maybe in the future, but like this, not now, because I was just like, this is crazy. But on the swing, I just pushed her and she loved it. And we were playing games when she was on the swing and I was swinging next to her and it was such a much more relaxing environment. And then inside the toy store, there's all these other kids running around and they're like questioning what Penelope's doing, why she's stacking all the toys. And they were all like, it was totally harmless. 
But yeah, it was just, I just noticed myself being far more stressed in the toy environment. And it was also tons of stimulation. She wanted to get inside of one of these books because she couldn't get the toys out of it because it was sealed up. And she's like banging on that thing. And she's like, ah, that, that, you know, that, 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 in, in here. And I'm like, I'm not buying you this random book. Like, yeah. And so it was really interesting. Like, I can tell if she's really, really passionate into something versus, it's like the hot, the next shiny object right. thing. So, so it felt like the 20 minutes in Barnes and Noble, the toy section was longer, much longer. Yes. Than the 20 minutes swinging on the swing. No, no, no. that's not what you're saying. No, I think swinging on the swing felt much more relaxed. I feel like time extends itself for me if I'm more enjoying it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm at a lunch or a dinner, like we've been at a couple of meals with three that have gone on for three hours or three and a half hours and it's super relaxing and you just really experience that three to three and a half hour time frame instead of the last time we tried to go eat out with Penelope was super stressful because she didn't want to sit and she just wanted to run around the restaurant. Yeah. Like that could have been three hours, but it, or that was like 20 minutes that felt like it was being drawn. I'm like, why isn't the waitress bringing back our check? Like, Reality was like it was a minute, but right. in my head, it so in the toy store, it felt like an experience that it, the actual time frame was twenty minutes, but it felt like an hour. And and as soon as we left, I was like, oh my goodness! Like I just felt cortisol drop. I just felt much more yeah. relaxed. But then being on the swing set, I felt like our friends were there, and they're like, we got to go because Ani's getting cold. And I was like, okay. And Penelope was just doing her thing. I mean, we could have been out there for 25 minutes, but it felt like a much longer experience. Right. And so what's really interesting about that, it's not about speeding up or slowing down time. It's about changing our experience of it because both experiences, both at the toy store and on the swing set, you felt like time was passing slowly, but in very different ways, right? Because the time at the toy store was like painfully slow. Correct. It was like, oh my God, this is stressful versus the time on the swing set is just sort of like, I almost want to say that that kind of time, like the time at our wedding or the time on the swing set or the other day, you know, I was working on some sales copy and I was just like in the zone. And it's almost like in those moments, it's not even that time is going slowly. It's that time becomes irrelevant. It's right. like you don't think about time. Those are the moments when you become the source of time. So what I want to do is reverse engineer that for our listeners and say, okay, how do we create more of those moments in our lives? Because those are, of course, the moments that on our deathbed we will remember. And those are the moments when you lie down at the end of the day and you're like, it was a great day. Because we have those moments where time stands still or time becomes irrelevant. So it's not about trying to speed up or slow down time. It's actually about changing our relationship to it so that we don't feel like it's slipping through our fingers, but we actually feel like we are in control of our experience of time. So what were the factors, Mike? We'll just like reverse engineer the swing set experience because that's a simple thing. Mm-hmm. We don't need to get into the wedding because nobody's like, you know. I have two side notes on all this. Oh. Number one, I'm on a mission to get Chipotle to put changing tables in all the bathrooms. So this is my... If you're listening, someone at Chipotle. Yeah. I've already hit them on Twitter and they're like, just wait, it'll show up. And But we went to Chipotle in Portsmouth. They don't have changing tables either. It's super a pain in the butt because... And it is kind of a child-friendly restaurant. They have so high chairs. I don't understand why they wouldn't have changing tables. Like they have high chairs. So... Number one. That's number one. Second, if you are in the business of marketing to children products, change the way you do it. 
I think putting candy low for kids to get is a really bad idea. I just I think it's not. It's like an unlawful way to market. I agree. It's really, really, really poor. And you're not marketing to the parents. You're marketing to kids. And it's not. Well, and then marketers know that the parents are exhausted. Yes. And don't want to say no because it's too tiring and they don't want somebody to throw a tantrum at the grocery store. That is correct. So, and I agree. I think it's like, uh, it's, you could be higher than that. Higher bro. Okay. So let's reverse engineer the swing set experience. So what about it felt like you were the sort, let's just call that a source of time moment. So what about it? What were some of the factors? Well, for both experiences, I didn't have an agenda. Like it was the first time I've been into a Barnes and Nobles with Penelope that she's been mobile type thing. Like I think we went in when she was a baby and we just put, she was in the you know car seat or the stroller. There was no agenda to either locations. Okay. I was like, Oh, let's just go in Barnes and Nobles and see what happens. You know? And then same thing with the swing set. No agenda. So no agenda, but then let's just being on the park. It was just like, she was outside. She was running around. I wasn't concerned of her breaking stuff. I wasn't concerned so there about weren't worries. There was no worries. No, she was safe. You were safe. Everyone was warm. Everyone was fed, well hydrated. Yeah. Her I mean, the only was worries was like relatively ba- dry. Yeah, her her diaper. <laughs> the basic was, needs yeah. were met. Yeah, because I had to change her diaper in Barnes and Nobles because Chipotle didn't have and they didn't have any place. Like it would have been on the floor. I should have just done it on the table. I, I have changed her diaper on so many bathroom floors. I know it's gross though, I and this one wasn't. Is. You could tell it, it hasn't been clean. Yeah. Well, plus it was raining out, so oh, yeah. No. But no, there was no. I mean, just climbing on some of the playground equipment when she would get close to the edge. Like I was okay, so everyone was safe. Yes, safety was there, and then we didn't have a play. There was no, there was no time. There was no agenda. No agenda. But that also was with Barnes and Nobles, as I just said. Okay. Yeah. What else do you want to know? Well, I'm just trying to do some investigative looking at what are the factors so people can recreate this. But I want to come up Be- with a work like, example. The one thing. Well, even okay, we can talk about. But even just being in Barnes and Noble, there's so many things to pull down and touch and break. It's distracting. And it's super distracting. And into the park, you are like you're on a swing, you're on a slide. You're focused. It's just relaxed. Yes. Yeah. It's a relaxed environment. So it's really if you structure your house in a certain way, like you can really break this down into so many factors in our own life. Yeah. Well, one thing that I noticed, like is, our house right now, is boxes all over and it's chaotic. It feels just yeah. really distracting. Yeah. And from my knowledge of feng shui, because I used to be a professional feng shui consultant in New York. I really feel that energy for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to like in the room that I'm working in, it can't be a mess. Like I can't, if I have papers on the desk, they have to be like in a little pile. It has to be calm because in order for my brain to be able to focus, I will be distracted by the mess. And one thing even that's super simple is that my workspace currently, at least for the next couple of days, is in our guest room. And I find I do much better work when I close the door. It doesn't even have to be that anyone's home. It's like this creating a sacred container where I close the door and I'm focused because I feel like nobody's going to come in. So if you have a workspace, try to find a way where you can be in the power position, meaning your desk is facing the door, but not in a direct line with the door. Because when our backs are to the door, our central nervous system does not relax. And there's a feeling that at any time someone could come in and you can't see what's coming. And when you think about that from a metaphorical perspective, if you can't see what's coming as a business owner or as a parent or just as a human being, you're not able to respond effectively because you're caught off guard all the time. And so 
you know, if you are a business owner or just anybody, everyone needs to be in the power position so we can be the most powerful in our lives. So the power position at your desk, again, is so you can see the door, but you're not in direct line with the door. So we've gotten off track, but I just wanted you to know that. I think it's really helpful. And it's an easy feng shui fix that anyone can do. So back to becoming the source of time. One thing that I'm really hearing you say is that you weren't trying to control time. There was no agenda. Now, one thing in the park, I wasn't trying to control time. Neither locations, I wasn't trying to control time. But in the toy store, I was trying to control the situation because you had to. And in the park, I was correct. Exactly. So I think that's a really, really important factor is sort of like this surrender and relaxation. I mean, I think the number one step is to accept that time is relative. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's number one. And I think everyone knows that, but then are we using that strategically in our businesses and our lives? Explain the definition of relative. Relative. Okay, great. Thank you. Time is relative, meaning your experience of time is going to be different depending on what you're doing, how you're feeling, and what you're thinking about. So based on your activities, how you feel, where your energy levels are, and your thoughts, your experience of time will be different. So what we're doing in this episode is teaching people the different things that they can do, think, and feel so that their experience of time is more expansive, essentially. So number one thing is accept that time is relative and that there's a possibility that you could relate to time in a different way. Number two is I would say stop saying there's never enough time in the day. I'm running out of time. I don't have time. Like, just like with our money, and I've taught about this a lot, is we really have to watch our conversation and the words that we choose to say when it comes to our money. Because if we're always talking about, I can't afford that, and there's never enough, and da da da, you can't create abundance from a mindset of lack. And when it applies to time, it's the very same thing. You cannot create more time from the mindset that there's not enough time. So we have to change our mindset. And so this podcast episode is one of the, you know, you could listen to this several times through because if you are really addicted to the conversation that there's not enough time, then you're going to need to break that habit. And that is, it's just a habit. And it also, it's a cultural addiction, by the way. People wear lack of time and busyness like a badge of honor, like somehow they need a freaking parade. And I love what you're saying, Mike, because you've really, and I've noticed this in you, you've really detached from that. And it's a beautiful thing to just be like, I don't measure my success in the day by how much I got done. And I know that's true. You know, I live with you and I can vouch that that is true. And that could change in the future, you know, but for the most part, I, yeah, at this moment in time, it just, it's much more relaxing and it's really brings back to values, like what's important for me. And if you want to have that sense of timelessness in your life where moments, you're experiencing moments in Kairos, meaning they have greater weight, they have greater importance, they have greater significance, then my recommendation is to do the things that you can do to get yourself into that state of relaxation as much as possible. Because I know when I'm super stressed out and feeling like, oh my God, I don't have time to do that. And I sit down to do some work, the quality of my work is not as good as when I sit down and I'm like, I have 20 minutes to write this blog post. Here we go. I light a candle. I close my door. 
I get it done. As opposed to being in the stress response of, oh my God, I only have so much time. Oh, this better be good. Like that is going to be a sphincter on my creativity and immediately cut it off. We see that a lot when people are starting businesses, especially like in our USANA world in the network marketing space, because people, they start and they want to see a profit immediately. Now that's possible in many cases, but the reality is like you have to give yourself some years. Like if this is the first business that somebody's run or we see it in our team with B-School, like the folks that have joined B-School through us and they want to see a return on investment immediately. And the reality is like you have to really, which is very hard to do is be like, okay, I'm going to do consistent activities for three years with no return on expect, like no expectation on return. And to just say like, I have to blog for three straight years and I've continually let people know I'm doing it, but with no expectation in return, like no monetary value to this for the, and now it can be done differently, but for the most part, like that's almost the attitude we have to take to this. Well, that will put you in a relaxation attitude. Right. So one of the top leaders who we know in USANA, her sponsor, when she first signed up, and this is the network marketing company we work with, her sponsor told her that she was going to have to, in order to enroll one person, her sponsor told her, like, you're going to have to talk to, you know, 50 people in order for one person to enroll. And so that was her expectation going into it. So she was just like, okay, that just is what it is. So she wasn't stressed out about it when the first few people she talked to weren't interested. And then, of course, it didn't take her 50 people to no. sign up one person because her sponsor was giving her a sort of built-in sense of relaxation because her sponsor was managing her expectations so that she knew that So this woman is Sophia. When Sophia actually had better results than her expectations, she would feel like a rock star. I kind of love that, I have to say. That's great. I mean, there's so much to say here, but it's really changing your perception to time and understanding that time is relative and it's also cyclical. So what I mean by that is both, you know, planetary and energetic. So what do I mean by cyclical from a planetary standpoint? Well, one day is the earth spinning around its axis one time. So it's a circle. One year is the earth spinning around the sun one time. So also cyclical. And then we come back to the beginning and then you go back around again. So this idea that time just marches on and that it's slipping through our fingertips, one perception change I've made over the last six months has been beginning to see the day as a circle instead of a line really big. Like, just think about that for a second. What if 6 a.m. started and the time starts ticking and each hour that goes by in the day, instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, that hour's gone and I'll never get it back. Instead, you're seeing it as a circle. So each hour that passes, you're actually getting closer to the beginning again. And you're actually gaining time because you're getting closer to a whole new day and a whole new refreshed perspective if you incorporate the lessons you learned the day before into the new day. So it becomes this upward spiral. So that's a whole other thing. I am going to be talking much more about that in the sustainable success workshop as well. So make sure you've signed up. So it's really this piece of relaxation. We talked about focus and redefining our sense of success and knowing that like getting more done is not necessarily 
the point of life. In fact, I'm quite sure it's not the point of life <laughs> that we're not going to lay on our deathbed and be like, oh, I got so much done. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. We're going to think about those moments like you had with Penelope on the swings at the playground where time stands still. Like that's what we live for. I want to read more books on people that have interviewed people that are dying. Yeah. And like what's that's like. Yeah. You know, and see what the real. Well, there was a great Tim Ferriss episode. Right. I heard with that. With the doctor who yeah. specializes in. He's um, watched a thousand a people die. Yeah. He, yeah. I can't remember his yeah. name. We can link it up in the show notes. I think you're right. I think that would be a fascinating. Yeah. Because I think especially in the business world, we can get very obsessed with results. Right. Very obsessed with achievement and very obsessed with like, how many launches did you do? How many people did you sign up? How much money did you make? How many things did you get done? What projects are you completing? And listen, I'm never going to stop being, what do you call it when you want to do a lot of productive? Yeah. Productive, but the word motivated looking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ambitious. Yeah. Ambitious. I'm always going to be ambitious. And it's, it's, it would be interesting to study from different industries, you know, like, so for some, maybe somebody that works in the service industry and then somebody that works in like Wall Street, because like, do the Wall Street traders sit on their deathbed and be like, yeah, I made tons of money taking advantage of people that in the 2005, 2004 real estate crash because now they're, you know, can't live in a house because we screwed them on their mortgages, stuff like that. Like, do they sit around and think about that if they happen to be dying or is it just like, look at this mansion I built? You know, so I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. So it's interesting. And I don't that, like, think people are interviewing them, but I think they should be. I think it would be an interesting thing to look at different industries about what might have the biggest, you know, like what impact or, you know, what is the reality when people are passing away? What are the things yeah. they're thinking about? We went to see Darren Hardy. You need speak. to move the microphone closer oh, to your mouth. Sorry. <laughs> so we went to see Darren Hardy speak, who's the publisher of Success Magazine, and he shared that Sam Walton the founder of Walmart on his deathbed. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not, but I don't think Darren Hardy would have just made it up. Apparently Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart said on his deathbed, I blew it like that. He just felt like he didn't get the point of life. And I think that's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. I also know, you know, Darren Hardy was taken to meet a friend of his dad's who was on his deathbed. And he said to him, basically, like, he was this incredibly wealthy, super successful businessman. And he said to Darren, don't do what I did, because I totally screwed it up. And he had been through several wives and several of his kids weren't talking to him anymore. And listen, I don't want to paint the picture right here that it's an either or. I think you can be wildly successful and have a great family and a great life and be healthy. Like, that's what our brand is about. And nothing against super wealthy people either. Oh, clearly not. We just named that like two or three different. Clearly not. But I'm just giving examples to remind us because I think that we have been programmed by the media and by cultural stories to believe that somehow once you, you know, make it financially, that that's it. And having increased our income every single year since we've been together, I can honestly say like, it's so awesome and so satisfying to grow our business, but it's because we're doing work that we really love. And each year, I believe we become better people because in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you really have to grow as a person. And so it's not necessarily the business growth 
financially that has increased my sense of well-being. It's the feeling of making a bigger impact, at least for me personally. Agreed. And we have gotten way off track here, but the point is... <laughs> no, and I, there's a... Just from the impact perspective, I was listening to... So Ezra Klein on the Ezra Klein Show is a podcast, and he interviewed this guy, Cal Newport, that wrote a book called Deep Work. And this is a fascinating conversation. It's really got me thinking about a lot of different things, and we'll kind of see how this goes. But like using email, there's this whole thing about AI, artificial intelligence, is going to take over the world type thing and Kate's like looking at me do you, do you know what I'm talking about no okay so I mean yeah people talk about that right but. people are talking about it a lot it's big in the tech space and he said he goes I think AI is already here and it's in the form of email you know like we're literally paying people a hundred thousand dollars a year to sit and manage email you know this is like people's jobs right and so it's like how I'm not is that... paying anyone a hundred thousand dollars a no, year not to manage us, my email just in the world like, I just wanted lot... to make sure pe- that was clear that that is not us but like a lot of people go to work and the main thing they're doing all day is shuffling email around it's like yeah. shuffling work right because there's been a society trend of like what are we actually accomplishing these days we're actually getting less stuff done in a more technologically advanced society because we're we more were. distracted yeah right So one thing that he mentioned was about having an impact. He goes, I don't necessarily like it's great that a lot of people donate to charities, which is fascinating. And somebody goes, well, I just gave $10,000 to the Boys and Girls Club or something. Right. Just an example. It's like, oh, that's great. Thank you for helping out. Or if I came up to you and said, I just spent 10 hours this weekend working for the Boys and Girls Club. Like it's a much different perspective that you have and the impact that you can have. Yes, money has a point and will help certain circumstances. But when we're actually physically helping people, and this is something I do way better for myself. Like I can talk about this all day for myself, but like actually being in the trenches with let's say the boys and girls clubs that just that was what i mentioned and working with them just like giving your time to those individuals instead of just donating money type thing so he was talking about from an impact and this can go to the deathbed this can go back to all the things we were talking about as and i was like wow that's such a fascinating take that i haven't really well and i don't think it's either or right because So often our brains are programmed to be like, it's this or it's that. So I just want to remind everyone listening. It's not that you're bad if you're donating money to charity and not volunteering. I personally just sharing. I am not volunteering these days. Like it's not happening. We are always from every launch. We are always donating a portion of our proceeds to organizations that support the empowerment of women and girls. But at this particular time, I'm not doing any volunteer work, but I know that that will be part of my, you know, part of my future. But again, it's a season of life thing. So anyway, back to about time, just to wrap it up, knowing that your state of mind will affect your experience of time is huge. So let's all agree to stop talking about that. There's not enough time that we're always running out of time that we wish there were more hours in a day and instead decide to become the source of our experience of time. And you can do that through creating circumstances where you're feeling relaxed, where you're able to release control and where you are focused on what really matters. And I find for me, when I'm able to get my work focused in on the 5% of activities that have the greatest impact. So I get into kind of that flow state where 
I'm working on something I'm really good at, but that I also feel challenged by. That's kind of that flow state, or Gay Hendricks calls it the zone of genius from his book, The Big Leap, which also has some fantastic material on Einstein time versus Newtonian time and kind of this relative time versus linear time. But when we can focus our activities on the 5% that gives us the biggest results and on those things that only we can do and that we're particularly suited for, then that is a place where we definitely change our perception of time and time becomes irrelevant. And I have experienced when I'm working in that way, an expansion of time where I end up having more time than I thought I had. It's like time bending, which is also very cool. So a lot to chew on. That wasn't like a pretty bow on the end of this episode, but the invitation is start noticing how you relate to time and see if it changes your reality as you shift your relationship to time. Because for me, it really has. How about you, honey? It has. So I guess the question I would ask you to close this out would be, this is for you, Kate. Like, why? Because... Like, why, right? To add more meaning to your life. Yeah. I mean, now, the sexy reason, the reason that your sort of like conscious mind is going to want to do this, or you're more, I don't know the parts of the brain enough, but like, is because... I have found that the more I relax around time and the more I focus on just the things that only I can do and the more I, or the less I try to shove more into the day that our business has actually grown more and our results have improved. But we've just spent the whole episode saying that like achievement is not the purpose of life. And so I think it's a dance, right? Because there's a part of us that wants achievement to be the purpose of life. And there's well, definitely gro- a part of growth, me, right? It's right? growth. It's growth. that feeling of progress and growth that to me leads to happiness. So, or at least a sense of satisfaction that I'm like always working on something that I'm always chewing on something. You know, I think that part of the reason people get so depressed in retirement is that they don't feel they have a purpose anymore. It's just like, oh, now I'm waiting to die. Like, so there's that feeling of hopping off the train of progress and growth. So it's a balance. It's a dance between, you know, wanting to be in achievement mode and wanting to get things done and also relaxing around that. But anyway, the reason, the why, the big why on why to change your relationship to time is because feeling like you're always running out of time and there's not enough time in the day is stressful. And that causes havoc, wreaks havoc on your body because stress hormones create chronic degenerative disease. So it's going to cause you to overeat. It's going to cause you to have anxiety, to not be able to sleep. It's going to cause all kinds of issues, adrenal fatigue. I mean, all kinds of things come from the stress of that. So just for your health's sake, for sure. But then also for your life's sake, when you stop being obsessed that there's not enough time, you actually notice your life. And to me, enjoyment of life is the purpose as well as progress and growth. So cool. it's for life satisfaction. Thanks. And business growth. Awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.